cliffcentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and cliffcentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on cliffcentral.com. Alongside me today as usual, Lionel Makoko Tlela. Welcome, Lions. Dumela, Gary, and Dumela to our listeners. And today's show is going to be quite a lit one. Last week, Lions, uh, you recall, for the first time we teamed up with Legal Talk South Africa. Yes. And uh, if you haven't heard of Legal Talk, it's a webpage that has tens of thousands of people on their Facebook page. So it's linked, the web and the, and the Facebook. Hundreds of these people, in fact nearly thousands, are posting legal questions one after the other. And uh, the stream of questions flow thick and fast, and by the time you've read one, um, two more appear to take its place. Mm-hmm. So clearly from this, there's a need for regular South Africans to get more legal knowledge and input. And... Uh, yeah, some of these questions posted require a more detailed response. So Legal Talk SA and I have got together and uh, we're going to deal with some of the detail, the questions that require the detailed answers. So uh, that's why we've linked up with Legal Talk. We're going to take the questions off their Facebook page and we're going to answer them today. That uh, will enable us to expand on all these questions Last week, Lange, you'll recall we dealt with uh, some of your concerns relating to consumer issues Certainly. and the Consumer Protection Act. It was a fabulous show, if I can use that word. If you missed that one, please listen to the podcast of last week. If you're interested in the CPA, Consumer Protection Act, and how you can be protected, we covered a myriad of, of issues on that one. Certainly, yeah. It, it's a goodie. So. Please have a l- listen to that podcast. That's cool. Now, today we've uh, picked uh, because uh, – I'm going to tell you what we've picked, but because there's been such a – Influx. Uh, yeah, influx of questions. Yeah. You're right, Lines. Uh, property law matters. Oh, yes. Issues on property law, landlord and tenant, that kind of oh, stuff. Hey. Joining me today is an attorney called Guillaume Earl who Legal Talk South Africa recommended that we bring on board for this show. Welcome to you, Guillaume. Thank you very much. Please spell your, serve your first name for us. It's quite, <laughs> quite a neat spelling with a different pronunciation, French. French. Yeah. How do you spell it? It's G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E. Pronounced Guillaume. 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 That's okay. Guillaume. Guillaume. Cool. Welcome to you. We're going to tackle you on, on property uh, issues, and i tell you why you've been recommended by Legal Talk. Uh, you're an attorney, but you also uh, got an estate agency business. Yes, that's correct. So you, you see it from both sides. You, you don't only see the legal side, you see the practical side. Very often, what we're looking for is the practical answers. True. You know, it's all very well telling a guy, section so-and-so says you can go to court, but that's not necessarily what the public want. True. They want to know, how do I deal with this practically? 
So we're pleased to have you on board with us. That's nice to be here. Thanks. Cool. Our email address, uh, law at cliffcentral.com. Please look at our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. Lines our Twitter handle. It's at Hetzlaw, uh, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. Or you can actually send us a WhatsApp note on 079-748-2090. That's 079-748-2090. To our Cliff Central listeners, our very, um, what are they, lines, uh, they tune in week after week and listen podcasters. down to our podcasters. Please join with us today. We include you in this one, even though we... We're answering the legal talk questions. These will apply to all. Please send us your questions. You can also phone in or WhatsApp us. We can, you know, we can give you a number as well. True. Yeah. But I think the WhatsApp would be far much better. And you can actually give us any information in so far as other topics that you would ask, uh, you would want us to actually tackle maybe criminal because that's actually uh, second uh, highest that people are actually asking to wanting to know something of that related area. Yeah. I think this, this collaboration between legal talk SA and and Cliff Central is a good one, and I think we can build on this. So um, good luck to all of us. Our first question comes in in Afrikaans. Wow. This comes from Amelia. Uh, landlord. Can a landlord just rock up and take pictures of your, uh, your, your place and sure. uh, without your permission? Gilam, what's the answer to that one? The my, landlord, yeah. My answer would be if it's not pr- arranged prior, no. And it has to be mentioned in the contract which time periods that he has to go and look every three months, every six months, uh, make a prior arrangement uh, as opposed to just pitching up and saying, listen, I'm inspecting your property now. You know, this sounds so, so simple. I mean, mm. there should be a simple answer to this. Let's take what Janine said on the very topic. She says, just because it's someone else's property, says Janine, does not give them the right to enter when they feel like it. That's trespassing, she says. We unfortunately had a few issues like this with the owner of the unit we reside in. The police said he may not enter at his tuning uh, uh, sorry, at his choosing, only if it's on fire, <laughs> then the, the, the landlord could come. Um, yeah, there's been tons of answers on this one, tons of different views. Lindy Janssen van Rensburg gives a good one. She says, uh, in Afrikaans, the, the owner must arrange a time with you uh, for the inspection. They can't just roll in when it suits them, as you rightly say. And they may take photos as long as it doesn't really impinge on your your privacy. Now, why would the landlord want to take photos? I suppose if the place has been damaged, it's his property. And Gulomi Wright, I guess he's entitled to come at reasonable times to inspect his property. He has to minimize his risk, Yeah, the owner. If he goes every three months and there's a problem, he can fix it. He's minimizing his risk. He's making sure his tenants are happy. I think there's one point that's made very, that we must stress is that the landlord can't arrive at any old time. No, not at all. He's got to call you and he's got to make a time that suits you as well. And uh, specifically, I mean, he can't come at supper time or when the kids are around uh, needing to be bathed or whatever it may be. Mm. So by arrangement, I think this can be done, but it's got to be done at, at also, suitable times, yeah, and not too often either. The problem there is I think it should be stipulated in the contract, personally. If you have a good attorney or a good rental agreement, yes. it should state 
that the landlord is entitled to come and inspect your property every now and again. He can decide on the timelines. Uh, and then he has to arrange a time with you to come and inspect it. You, you can't. Do, yeah, you talk of a good lease. Um, going to a lawyer for a lease, which they kind of pull off their computers, can cost you a few thousand. If you don't want to use that and you're a landlord, where, what kind of lease? What do you suggest people do? Well, there's, you can buy it from these B&A and CNA stores, which I do not recommend. Uh, good lawyer. It's always a good option. If not, there's a nice one on the Legal Talk essay page. Well, that's good advice. That you can go and download. Okay. So if I if I don't have an attorney or I don't want to spend the money, go to Legal Talk Estate's website. I didn't know it was there. It is there. We have a lot of documentation there. We even have uh, spoliation documentation that's available there. Mm. Lines, so, yeah. yeah you I, do uh, do they come in different uh, languages? Let's say I'm Sutu and I'm in Tembisa. I'm renting out a room. Can I get one uh, maybe translated in a different vernac? Unless you're going to translate it, I doubt oh. you're going to find it that easily. Lines. I don't think uh, yeah. my Google Translate skills are going to work there. Hey? <laughs> okay, yeah. no, there's still a room for 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 that market then, because a lot of uh, tenants actually move to Tembisa because their rental um, monthly rental uh, that side it's actually cheaper compared to going to Kempton Park, for example. Yeah, mm. you make a very good point. Mm. Okay, it is something we should look at, I think, in future. With all our languages, make sure we have a fairly decent contract. And I think attorneys' firms must maybe look into it. You know, the problem is that you're taking these standard contracts that don't always completely apply to you and your tenant and your premises, and you're using it, whereas, in fact, they should be specifically drafted for your circumstances. I know it sounds a bit silly, that, but um, that's the way I see it. And that's why... You should get some kind of legal advice. The Law Society does push that people use attorneys because there's a move away from it. And I agree with that, except the expense of it. So maybe you could take a standard lease and go to an attorney for uh, the drafting of specific clauses that you want in. For such as, here we go, Bridget wants to know, as a landlord, if you're renting out a property with a pool, are you required to put a pool net on, on it? We discussed this just now, and I said my my opinion is yes, because the municipal bylaw says yes. And my argument for this is, what if a toddler come, climbs over your wall, for example? It's a stupid example, but what if? And that child drowns. The responsibility is on you. So I would say, because the bylaws state this, that the onus is on the owner, to provide the pool with a pool net. What happens if I don't want to go to the expense of providing... There's two issues here. Landlord, I don't want to go to the expense of providing a pool net. I tell you as prospective tenant, listen, there is no pool net. You have kids. If not, uh, it's your decision or whatever. It's your decision as to whether you want to take the property or not. I'm not putting in a net. Yeah, well, then excluded on the rental agreement... So then you've got to make specific reference in your lease. Yes. There is no pool net, and uh, the tenant agrees that there's no obligation on the landlord to do so. No, he takes it the is risk. his obligation. No, he has to take the risk. <coughs> on that very note, if somebody climbs over the wall and, and drowns in your pool, they weren't allowed to be there in the first place, I guess. Yeah, that's going to be a bit of a problem. Yeah, you mean a kid could uh, jump over. I think, I think what the, I may be wrong, and uh, I say this very hesitantly, but if the, if the um, 
I think what the bylaws mean is that when they say the owner, I think the person that's in, in, in control of that property, surely. I mean, if I'm the owner and I live overseas and some agent is, is renting out my property, are you saying that I'm liable because there's no net on it? Uh, Does a net? I mean, I haven't seen the bylaws, and I, you know, I bow to your knowledge. But if there is an, if you know, if the property is not rented, am I obliged to have a net over it? No, no, you're shaking your head. You're not sure. Um, What about the creepy crawly? Whose obligation is that if it breaks down? That a creepy is is a thing that breaks down easily. So I would say that's for the tenant's pocket. Uh, Creepy crawlies and chemicals. Yeah. Will be for the tenant's pocket. Why do you say that? Those are things that you have to look after. A creepiest, mm. uh, it, it's not fixed. You have to make sure the pipes are not clogged, make sure everything is connected correctly. You'll never have a problem. If the, if the creepy crawly breaks down, whose obligation, if there's nothing in a lease, whose obligation is it to, to replace it or repair it? I would say the tenant. As opposed to the geezer. What happens if that breaks down? That should be that should be the owner. The difference being between the two is that the you saying the geese is fixed. It's fixed. Yeah, and it's insured, I think, and the insurance mostly, mostly. deals with it. Mm. Automatic garage garage doors they break down. Mine does occasionally. And mine does all the time. Yeah, it's wear and tear. Yeah, you have to look after it. If you did look after it. And it breaks. Then, so whose obligation, landlord or tenant? If there's no landlord, landlord's obligation. Say. That's why we say to people these little things are the things that cause the most aggravation between landlord and tenant. These creepies, the garage doors, all those kind of things. You've got to provide for that and think about it before you take occupation. Mm. Oh, that's why we say go and see a good attorney. Let him help you draft it. It's not that expensive. The money you're going to spend by not having a good contract yeah. is going to outweigh the money you're going to spend on just fixing a creepy, for example. Okay. Jacqueline wants to know, we evicted a squatter from hell that stopped paying, but now we're sitting with the estate agent from hell. <laughs> oh, fun. The estate agent placed the squatter in a, or the non-paying tenant in, in the house and didn't do background checks and place someone in our property who had a history of evictions. So now you are an estate agent and a lawyer. Question is, what is your obligation as an estate agent? You as an estate agent, have you have to make sure that your tenants can afford the place they move into, number one. The basic calculation, as we discussed, is your rental amount should be your salary should be three times the amount of your rental. So if you rent for 10,000 Rand, your salary should be 30,000 Rand. Is that before or after tax? Before tax. Before tax. Okay. So I'm, yeah, all right. So to rent for 10,000, I've, I've got to earn like 40, 45,000 or somewhere around there. Yeah, that's about, that's the, the gliding scale they work on. So right. that's, the onus is on the estate agent to make sure that that is done. The onus yeah. is also on the estate agent to make sure that he has done the correct credit checks. How do you do that? The tenants sign a consent so mm. we can get normal credit checks to see if they, how they pay their bills. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a system called TPN. Yeah, TPN, we, yeah. That's for, can, for property people only? Yes. Yes. What we, does that show as opposed to the normal credit bureau report? 
there's nothing in there about credit per se. What you can see is the the behavior of that specific tenant over the last few years. Because they register that tenant on TPN. So you can see where he leased, how long he leased, did he pay, did he not pay, is there a judgment against him, is he, has he been evicted? So that whole TPN system you can, you, you can utilize yes. to see what the behavior of that tenant is or will be in future. Okay, you as a state agent, I mean a lot of people are renting on their own, they, they advertise all over the place. What do people pay an estate agent as a commission for rental or a fee? Well, I'm going to talk about mine. What we do with rentals is we take the first month's rent yeah. as commission. So that is the fee that we yeah. charge and yeah. that's it. And for that, they get all this checks, all these checks in there. Yeah, that's part of the job. We have to do due diligence. If people are doing it on their own, they won't get onto TPN unless they come to someone like you and say, can I pay you for a TPN search? Yeah, well, it's going to cost them 80 bucks. And, and then, they're more than welcome to contact us. It's okay, so if I want to rent my own property without using an agent and give away the first month's rent, I'll come to you pay 80 bucks for the search. I can also do a credit search. I can do that. Uh, you can help me with that as well. Yeah, but all we need is the ID book. Yeah. And a consent form that says do you consent to us doing a ITC check for you. That's basic that's all we need. And we'll have your ITC report within the minute. What about um sureties? Is that something that we should consider more as landlords? Well, I love sureties yeah. in general. Uh if I could, with all rental agreements I would add a surety. It just it covers the landlord. What is the response when you say to a prospective tenant, "Hey, I want you to bring me a surety. I want your dad or your brother, your uncle, whatever to sign." What do they say? With us, it's quite successful. We have about it's eighty percent or so where they will sign, and yeah. then the other twenty percent will say no. Sorry. When you talk of the eighty percent that will sign, are these students or they elderly students. or whatever? Is it across the board or is it confined really? It's say students, elderly, and first-time job seekers, for example. That's about the that's about where it ends. The surety provides that if that obviously if the tenant doesn't pay pay, then the surety will pay. Yep. Which uh, which which a landlord really needs, and they don't often think about this. They don't consider it. And you have to cover yourself, and you have to cover your client. So you need to think about this. Yeah. And if you you need to recover funds at some stage, and if you can't get it from the tenant, then you can get it from the father or the, the mother. The, or yeah, the question is: Is it a buyer's market, or is it a renter's market, or a landlord's market right now? I mean, uh, can the tenant say, "Listen, I'm not going to get you a surety, and I'll go somewhere else." Is there a glut of space or is there a shortage? What's going on? In Joburg, there's a bit of a shortage at the moment. So you take what you get. So you can call the shots as a landlord and yeah. say, I want a surety. Lines, how do you feel? How would you feel if you asked for a surety? I personally wouldn't agree to it because I just feel that if then I do something, they need to really get on with me as opposed to asking my mother or my brother to actually pay on my behalf. Well, Galom says he's getting an 80% response rate, which is good. No, that's brilliant. Uh, acceptance good for rate, yeah. yeah. Oh, we need to cover our tracks. There's a question here that flows really f uh, from what I've just been talking about. It comes from Janine. She says, if an estate agency has an invalid fidelity fund certificate 
as per the Estate Agency Affairs Board, may they continue selling property and renting it out. Thanks, Janine. Yeah. Well, this is this is something that we deal with every single day. Yeah. There are thousands of estate agents that do not have fidelity fund certificates. What is it a fidelity fund certificate exactly? Well, they also have trust accounts, oh. uh, like attorneys do. Yeah. So that fidelity fund certificate is supposed to cover the money in your trust account or to. So if you run away, at least the fidelity fund covers that. Yeah. Strictly, if you don't have a fidelity fund, what are you saying that you can't you can't trade? You can't trade. If you look at, there is a, a section in the State Agency Affairs Act, Section 34, yeah. that specifically states if you do not have a valid fidelity fund certificate, it's a criminal offence. You can be charged uh, or imprisoned for five years, or you, they can give you a fine for five thousand rand, or both. Yes. So I would not suggest practicing without a fidelity fund. How do you find out if an estate agent has a fidelity fund? Is it just a matter of saying, do you, or can you check it out? It's very easy. You go onto the EAAB's website, Mm. and you go and search for the estate agents. The names pop up, and they literally tell you, this one is valid, this one is invalid, this one is valid. It's it's very, very easy to see. Just for our listeners, if you have a problem with estate agents, there's a whistleblower's hotline, which you can find on the Estate Agency Affairs Board. And it's available for reporting any foul play, they call it, F-O-U-L, that you're aware of regarding trust monies, irregular transactions, and so on. So you remain completely anonymous when reporting these irregularities, and uh, please do so if there is something that's untoward. Please report it. We don't want skellums around that are doing wrong things. Mm -hmm. Am I right, Guillaume? Yeah, makes sense. Another one here on property transfer. Shannon wants to know, can one request my lawyer when selling and buying a property or whose right is it to choose the conveyancing lawyer? Across South Africa, everywhere, it's the seller gets to choose, except in KwaZulu-Natal. There the purchaser gets to choose. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Why? I do not know. But apparently it's common law. Yeah. Uh, but KwaZulu-Natal, purchaser, the rest of the country, the seller. They get to decide. Assuming that I insist as a buyer, say I want my lawyer, well, that's by agreement. The seller can say there's, there's no deal if you insist. Can you get your lawyer to to supervise the transfer? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. So there's the convincing lawyer, and then you can get another lawyer to make sure everything's yeah. done properly. There's another. There's a few other. Remember, the transfer isn't the only attorney's. There. Yes. You have the bond attorneys, you have the bond cancellation attorneys. So keep that in mind when you're buying a property. There's not one attorney, there's yeah. three. Yeah. So if you Let's add your own one, there'll be four sets, which is good because that attorney can then make sure that the whole process, all three of those attorneys do their job. Mm-hmm. And you can register within, let's say, three to four weeks as opposed to six to 12 weeks. Very interesting, this very weekend that just passed, it was reported in Times Live that the Gupta family tried to buy out a neighbor for six million. And uh, apparently the, the neighbor was the one that was complaining about the illegal extensions that the Guptas were, were making to their home in Saxonwald. Then the sale collapsed after the Guptas insisted that their lawyers, now they the buyer, the wholesale collapsed because their lawyers, they insisted their lawyers attend to the transfer. And the seller was insistent that he had the right to appoint his own lawyer. And the buyer even said, uh, I mean, the seller said, 
you know, just get someone to supervise. It's fine. Uh, but the cell fell through as a result of that, apparently, oh. according oh. to the report. There oh, you go. That's stupidity. It is, isn't it? But the Guptas, they wanted to call the shots on this one. They said, we want our lawyers. The reason, and I don't know about Natal, KZN, but the reason that I as a seller want my lawyer to attend to the transfer is I want my money as quickly as possible. I want uh, no undue delay. And if it is handled by the buyer's lawyer, these things are out of control. And he can delay it. Anything can go happen. But also you want to secure your money. If you get a million rand payout from your property that you sold, yeah. you want an attorney that you trust True. to handle your money. Yeah. You want to be sure that when that property registers that you'll get your full million rand and that that attorney will not fly to Greece overnight with your money. Mm. <laughs> well, it may not just be to Greece. It could be anywhere. What about interest? If uh, you, you're, you're a lawyer as well, you have a trust account and your state agent account, let's talk about the interest that's paid to your lawyer's account in trust that you – I mean the, the deposit that's sometimes held there. You invest it on interest, don't you? Yes, we have to. Who gets the interest on that one? Uh, the client. What happens there is – we have our trust account, yep. then we have sub-accounts for our clients. So the money is paid into the main trust account, yes. and then from there it's distributed to Section 78 little investment accounts. Yes. So the interest in those accounts go to the clients. Okay. If I, for example, forget to… You've got to have permission to invest it, don't you? No, definitely. Yeah. If you don't get that permission and you hold the money in trust, who gets the money? The interest goes to the law society the interest, immediately. Yeah. yeah. That's so, what supports the Fidelity Fund for lawyers, that interest. Indeed it does. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about uh, – we have three postings on Legal Talk concerning neighbors. Fun. And this one is really making people mull. Good morning, says Dale. What legal steps can I take towards my meddling neighbor? I've informed him countless times to mind his business, but I just can't take it anymore. Please help. <laughs> that sounds like me. Yeah. Do you also have a, you, you, you do have a problem. I remember you saying yes. there's a problem with upstairs or something. If you yeah. Oh, my word. This meddling neighbor, I, I may be incorrect in, on the facts, but I think the neighbor listens in to conversations this lady's having with her friends, and uh, it's a bit of a problem. Hector as well, he writes in, my neighbor left me a note complaining about my son who has band practice on Tuesday nights. And uh, yeah, he has a problem with this one. What does the law say, he says, and what are my rights? I don't even know how to start to approach this, playing a band or band practice until 10 o'clock at night. Uh, and then the last one lines, then you can talk Tessie. She says, good evening, everyone. I'd like to find out our neighbors, our neighbors asking us to put the sound softer. Our sound is soft, but still it's too loud for our neighbors. We don't know what to do if we put the sound softer. We can't hear the people's voices on TV. If they call the cops, can we get into trouble? We don't do parties and play music loudly. Who wants to take this one? I get, no, no, no. That, that one of the band, yeah. I fully support. Rather get the cops, let them come there and measure the visible, whatever they call them, and really assess. But beside, I think they need to be considerate. You can't really be practicing on a Tuesday night until 10 o'clock. People have to go to, to work. People need to sleep. People need to rest. And as a result, I, I really think people need to be considerate. 
Gulam, but, yeah, yeah. But the other yeah. one, yeah, sorry, uh, with regard to the noise level, um, that one it's a bit tricky because you we don't know whether it is just like a, a powerful sound system that is actually built in house, and as a result, people tend to get carried away and they try to increase the volume. Yet they keep telling you, no, it's not too loud. Uh, it's actually within the parameters. But I really think they need to be considerate as well, I, just so that we work together as neighbors. Be considerate of me. I'll also be considerate of you. If yeah. you're going to have a movie night, by all means, blow it. Let us know just so that we can actually give you space. The same way as actually having a party and you don't inform your neighbors and all of a sudden now cars are actually blocking their way. That's a bit uh, irresponsible and unconsiderate. What do you say, Guillaume? On the first one with the meddling neighbor, yeah. I would say get an intellect. Yeah. Prevention of Harassment Act. Yes, excellent. That would be my answer there. Mm. On the second one... Just on that very note, you can go to any magistrate's court. Uh, not any. You've got to go where the the conduct is happening. Mm-hmm. So if it's happening in Pretoria, you go to the Pretoria Magistrate's Court. And you ask for a an interdict in terms of the Harassment Act. And harassment means a person engaging in conduct that can cause harm. And harm is defined as mental, psychological, physical, or economic harm. Mm. So it's mental harm if somebody's blowing this. Um, yeah, she's definitely not. She doesn't have her wits about her, this woman. Yeah. You must be careful that, um, that your facts are properly set out when you go to the magistrate's court. You must have, what I would do is have recordings, take pictures, have your evidence at your fingertips because otherwise you can get blown out of court here and you can lose. It's quite hard to prove a noise. You know, to you, it's a very subjective thing. To you, Mm. it may be noisy. To me, it's an everyday kind of sound. There are noise regulations, and I think we know about that one. Seven decibels. Yeah. Mm. Lines, do you remember the the show we did? Exactly. Let me just play what one of our guests came into our studio a few months ago, and she... I mean, this went went, went to the high court on this one. This is the noise they had to live with. That's the crowing cock that Lionel likes to hear about. Our guest on that show on the 7th of March, please listen to that podcast if you can. It went all the way to the high court. They had to uh, eventually, I think they got the neighbors to concede it, but that was only after they spent many, many thousands trying to get uh, some kind of court order to, to block this noise. The, the roosters were right under just just next to their bedroom, next to their bedroom window, yes. no, this man. poor woman suffered serious harm. She was ill as a oh, result yes. of this. This went on for years, and the roosters were there constantly until they got this court order. Yeah. Sorry, Gary. Yeah. Before we, we we carry on, if I go to the magistrate court, because I know people now financially are a bit constrained. Does it cost money if I can do it myself? Absolutely nothing. Oh, perfect. The Harassment Act gives you That's that right. right. In the old days, the Harassment Act came in in 2014. Prior to that, it was the Domestic Violence Act. Okay. So you had to be in a domestic relationship. You didn't have to be married. You could be living together, whatever. But now, anyone who is being harassed on, on, on anything, mental, psychological, physical, economic harm that they may be suffering – they can go to the magistrate's court, and the way it works, Lyons, is that you file an affidavit, 
and the magistrate gives you an order without hearing the, uh, the, uh, the other side. So if you say somebody's doing this, that, and the other, he'll give you an order, if your evidence is good enough, to interdict them from doing it. And then they've got to come back to court at a future date and say why they aren't doing it or whatever the facts are. Okay. So you get what they call an ex parte order from the magistrate. Okay. Evidence must be good, though. No, with a return date. With a return okay. date, absolutely. No, that's great because people are, don't have the money to really afford a lawyer because most of the time lawyers are quite expensive. So if you can do it yourself, even better. Listen, the magistrates take these things very seriously, especially on the domestic level. But if you, if you are, if there's a danger, we're just veering off slightly now, but if there's a danger that you are in harm or someone is about to harm you, please use this act, Protection from Harassment Act. Where you get a protection order. And the magistrates here are very approachable. I've, I've found in this specific jurisdiction, yeah. they're very accessible. The law that governs noise is the noise control regulations in terms of the Environmental Conservation Act of yep. 1989. So, if there's a noise, if the band is playing, and all the rest, there are measures to determine how loud it is. You mentioned decibels. Seven decibels. Yeah. What they do is, I mean, if it were, this is the law, the Metro Police go out and they've got, someone's there has got the equipment to measure the sound. And if it exceeds it, then uh, they can fine you or they'll tell you to stop. And uh, if you operate or play uh, a radio or TV set or drums or musical instruments loudly, there is a fine. Uh, I think it's small, but 500 rand, whatever. But, you know, you will be kind of, you will be found guilty of something and it goes against your record. So be very careful. Yeah. So you, anyone, <coughs> excuse me, that is, that is under pressure from their neighbors and there's a noise, please use this phone, Metro Police. <coughs> they have a special number that you can dial. I don't have it offhand, but they will send someone out. Cool. <coughs> We've used this one before. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Are you enjoying this, lines? No, I am, but I'm just thinking about the Metro Police. I bet you if you were to call them and call uh, Dibonese, Dibonese would be there before they <laughs> They're catching up, hey? The JMPD is catching up. Great. They're getting there. Slowly, slowly, but surely. Okay, well, that's a good sign. Um, we're going to talk about evictions a little later because that's a long and lengthy one. Let's just move on here. Is there um, – someone asked, Olivia – and this is quite often asked of me, a lawyer, and uh, it may be asked of you, Guillaume. It comes from the olden days where people used to pay a lawyer so much a month. Do you remember that? Yes. I go, you're too young. And what happened was they knew that if they had to get a lawyer quickly, then you had money for them and you would come out. She says, is there a specialized association law firm you can pay a monthly fee to that specializes in handling tenant evictions if you ever need it? No legal wise or any of those other legal insurance companies. Well, I split that, that question I split up in two. Yeah. Especially with the in case fees. So I split it up in a deposit yes. and then an actual retainer. Now, the difference is a retainer is an agreement between you and one of your clients where yeah. they pay you monthly, mm. irrespective of whether they're going to use your services or not. Yep. You need to enter into a, a retainer agreement with that client, mm. and the money they pay you every month goes directly to your uh, business business account. It doesn't have to go to trust. Yeah. 
as opposed and they can call on you whenever they need you. It's yes. a retainer. You're there kind of They can for, phone for you at yeah. 2 o'clock in the morning. You wake yeah. up and you go. Yeah. And then the other one is a deposit mm. where they pay a deposit of, let's say, 50,000 rand into a bank account for a divorce. Mm. You can't immediately use that money. Yeah. You can't fee it to your business account immediately. You have to fee as, as you, you go, go along. along. Yes. So that's what I what I understood there with the in case monthly fee. Yeah. It's the retainer that yeah. goes to business and then the deposit that goes to the trust account and it's feed against. Lines, if you talk to your granny, is she still alive? Oh no, unfortunately yeah. she passed on. If you talk to any of your old folk and you say, Did you ever pay a lawyer so much a month? It was very, very common in those days. Oh. That's before they had the legal wises and the insurance companies. They would pay the lawyers. I think that's where this whole thing of legal wise and uh, legal insurance came from. Oh, no, that's great. People this paying way. in advance in case they would need an attorney. Today, if anyone asks me that question, I say, do yourself a favor. Open a bank account, a savings account. Put in a 100 rand, whatever you want to a month. And uh, if you ever need to get a lawyer, there it is for you. That's far much better, I that's guess. That's a very good idea. <laughs> Absolutely. Tanya wants to know, what is the shortest period for which I can draw up a rental agreement? Does it need to be 12 months lease or can it be, for example, three months? It doesn't matter. It can be for one month. Yeah. The question, Guillaume, is the lease doesn't have to be in writing either. It doesn't have to be in writing, but if it's not, it's very stupid not to have it in writing. Yeah. I would always tell my clients, have everything in writing. Every contract, every agreement, have it in writing. Do you know that a surety ship has got to be in writing? I know that now. General, general uh, Section 6, I think, off the top of my head, of the General Law Amendment Act. In other words, if you come along and say, hey, I'm the father of Lionel, I will stand good for his rent, don't worry. And I even send you an email confirming it's not good enough. Hmm. You have to sign a surety. Now I know. Yeah. So anyone who's going for sureties, please make sure they're always signed by the surety. Otherwise, they're worthless. I had a client years ago who had uh, many, many stores in the furniture business, and he arranged with the landlord to get a certain shop in a shopping center. The landlord, they agreed the terms, they agreed the period, they agreed everything, and then the landlord pulled out, and he spoke to me about it. I said, there's such a thing as a verbal lease. If you've agreed the important points, the salient parts of a lease, like the rent and the period and all the rest, then there is a lease. Mm. And we applied to court to ask the court to make the verbal agreement an order of court. Yeah, and we succeeded. Doesn't have to be, yeah, it doesn't have to be in writing. It doesn't, but it's a very good idea to have it in writing. Yeah, silly not to because you need to cover all the points we're discussing uh, today. True that. Uh, Sorry, Gary and yeah. um, Mr. Lawyer. I just wanted to find out um, the lawyer that you keep referring to, if I'm a buyer or seller, yeah. are you referring to a conveyancer, as somebody who's qualified within the property space, or can just any, it can be any other lawyer? Because I really tend to think that maybe going to somebody who's a specialist, let's say in property or a conveyancer, would far much know how to go, how the transactions work and what processes are actually going to be seen in the few, uh, yeah, future. That's a darn good question. In, in the lawyer's field, we have attorneys, notaries, and conveyancers. Yes. Okay, a conveyancer is the lawyer lines that does the transfer. Guillaume, are you a conveyancer? I'm a notary. You're a notary. Okay, so within your firm, there are conveyancers. Yeah, we have two conveyancers. And they're the people that have got to sign the documents and actually present them at yes. the uh, deeds office. 
It's got to be a proper conveyancer. Oh, okay. There's a different course, an extra course that he needs to pass and in order to qualify as a conveyancer. Okay. Notaries, notarized documents, uh, they... Commission of oath. No, no, we all, all, all lawyers, commissioners all lawyers are commissioner baths, yeah. Oh. Notaries, you people sign prenups. Prenups. Uh, yeah, anti-nuptial contracts. Also very important. Signed, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that we're going to keep for our, for our show on uh, matrimonial prenups. Oh, I'm going to be there. Hopefully I'll find You'll be here, Lines. <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, here's one. Comes from Maglo, M-A-G-L-O. Good evening, folks. It was written at night. Is there something I can do legally to force my neighbor to cut his trees that have grown into my property? The trees are causing damage to my property, and I had a discussion with him, being the person next door, I guess, and he told me that it is my responsibility to cut the trees. He's refusing and just ignores my calls. Please help. Hello, hmm. please help. Yeah. He has to minimize his risk so that. Who's he? The. The, the, the one who's. The neighbor. The one who's complaining or the one who's got the. Truth? The one who's complaining. Yeah. He has to minimize his risk. So, so what must he do? Cut it down. You, you, you the can. branches. T- if the branches are overhanging onto your property, you, you can cut them down? You may cut them down. The branches still belong to your neighbor, but you may cut them down. And what do you do once they cut down? You give it back. Throw yes. it over the wall. That's yeah, his. He can take it. If he doesn't want it, then. He's got a tree that's uh, 300 years old. You can cut. It's overgrowing. You can cut it and cut it. Just I guess you sure would have to give him notice in no, advance. No, but in this specific scenario, he said we already spoke and he said no. So if you've spoken to him, then minimize your risk. Take off all the branches that are bothering you and knock on his door. Tell him you have his branches. He can take them or you will dispose of it yourself. There's a famous case of Fuchel versus Krug, C-R-E-W-E, if anyone wants to look it up, 2004 case. And here neighbors shared a wall separating the two properties. And one of the neighbors complained that the neighbor's trees and the root system were causing damage to the wall, which is a common problem. Mm. Uh, and they were a nuisance because leaves were falling into his swimming pool, blocking the gutters and obstructing the sewage system. So what he did was he applied for an urgent interdict to have the tree cut down. And the court held, and this is important, that the test for whether a set of circumstances constituted a nuisance to, to, to get an interdict um, was an objective test based on what is reasonable. It's not subjective, not what's reasonable to you, what the average person would regard as reasonable. And the court stated that there is a need to accept a certain degree of inconvenience from trees in return for the shade that they provide. And uh, you've, got to, you've got to really weigh up the benefit. You've got to weigh it against the benefit and the nuisance. And in this particular case, the application to cut down the trees was refused. Wow. So you won't always succeed. The court said, well, it's a beautiful tree and it creates shade and so on. Yeah. Uh, there are so many cases on this. Sorry. Williams, yeah, go ahead, Lance. Could that case be um, appealed, for example? Because I, I would simply say I'm spending so much money and this is financially uh, constraining my pocket. And as a result, I really just feel that it's it's just doing injustice. The courts absolutely hate these spats, if I can call it, arguments between neighbors. Mm-hmm. The court hasn't got the time to concern itself with nonsense. And the courts feel 
and I, and I say nonsense inverted commas, that these are matters that should be sorted out between neighbors. Love thy neighbor. Sort it out. And the courts have said beautiful wording like this. When there's a spat between neighbors, I'm going to quote, who chooses to ride a tiger will find it difficult to dismount it unscathed. Much the same can be said of the decision of the parties to indulge in litigation rather than settle their differences in a less acrimonious and costly way. Mm. That, that is why we always say to you, try and resolve your differences without litigation. That's a fair point. Good point. Yeah. The, the public health bylaws also, if you have a tree overhanging onto the pavement, then the municipality can cut him down under the under the municipal bylaws. Oh, the public, public health, health bylaws. bylaws. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Very, very. I mean, these things we take them for granted, but they quite they can be quite a nuisance at times. Oh, they happen, and they happen a lot, especially in Joburg. Guillaume, yeah. there's something that I need to talk to you about quickly, and I may do, and I think it would be a good idea. I'm going to do evictions. On a separate show because that in itself is a minefield, yeah. and it's 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 very concerning how to get people in and out or get people out of properties. The right way to do it because these are questions that are posted all the time. How do I get a bad tenant out? We need to explain it in detail. We'll we'll spend some time on that on another show. I know you do a lot of conveyancing and you're a state agent as well as I said. If I want a bond. Where's the best place to go? And we're not punting. We don't get paid for this, but give us an idea. At the moment, I would say FMB and NetBank are the two banks that give the most loans or 100% loans. Uh, Standard Bank, you're looking at about 80%. AppSar will give a 100% loan, but only to their own clients. Also, Investec, only to their own clients. So best bet now would be FMB and NetBank. When you, when you say 100% loan, there's no deposit. You get a full bond for the first Full bond bank. without a deposit. Um, how do you qualify for that? There's a little calculation. Yeah. You take your salary. It's credit worthy, worthiness and, and all that kind all of stuff. All that. But yeah. to, uh, there's a little calculation that you can do yourself to see how much you can afford. Mm. It's the, your salary yeah. uh, before deductions times three times 9.65. That will give you the amount that your salary qualifies you for. On your website, can I go and check what bond costs, transfer costs, and this calculation that you've just mentioned, is that available to yes, me? Yes, it is. Just give us your website, please. It's www.nakaniwatts.co.za. N-K-A-N-I. Yes. Watts, W-A-T-T-S. Correct. Lawyers' fees, uh, I want to know bond costs. It's all there for me. I just put the amount in and it will pop up. Because when people yeah. are buying houses, they don't. They, they want to know how much extra. What are the extras? This will show them Definitely. what the costs are. But also, I found that they don't know. They think there's only one attorney present in a transfer. They have to keep in mind that if there's a bond, a bond has to be cancelled, a new bond has to be registered, a trans, transfer has to take place. Mm. So all of those are extra costs. You have to not only pay transfer costs, but if you have a bond, you have to pay bond costs as well. And the seller will have to pay cancellation fees because he's cancelling his bond. Yes. So his bond has to be cancelled as well. So purchasers should keep that in mind as well. 
Okay, someone has written in, Beatrice, she says, I'd like to find out where to lay a complaint against the lawyer if you feel they are not being transparent. And if I may answer that one, the Law Society, we all know that. Please go to their website and hit the tab public, where it says public, and there you will find your right as a client of an attorney. It's all set out for you. Law Society is very strict on that one. Just very briefly, um, it uh, you 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 need to you need to know the lawyer's got to give you a statement of account regularly, uh, so all that kind of stuff is all there for you. Check it out on the on the website, of the lawyer's website. But I yeah. think also the this, this whole thing about property, most people get into the property game without understanding that there are going to be monthly fees insofar as the uh, rates and taxes the levies that are actually going to be incurred and most people don't think about those so whenever you do your calculations you need to pay much attention to that as well i don't know what you think yeah also pay attention to rates and taxes bills make sure there's no outstanding debt from previous owners Yes, oh, that, the other important one is actually making sure that if you don't have an account with your uh, municipal, make it upon that you've got one because they can hit you with a fine of 30000 like they did in my case, unfortunately. What's that, Lance? Uh, municipal account for yeah. your rates and taxes. Yeah. I was not paying rates and taxes, but likely every month I was putting X amount of money into a different account and the bill came to a, th- a, tw- a 30000 after four years. Oh, I see. You were saving the money. Exactly. Somewhere. Okay. Good. So good you, you, you need yeah. to always pay much attention to that because I realized that as a property owner, I was not informed of such things and I actually had to learn the hard way. Unfortunately, they'll cut you, your water and electricity, which is illegal, but they actually Yeah, do I that. think we mentioned that on last week's show as well. Uh, just be careful with that one. Yeah, you, to the yeah. municipality, when they issue clearance figures, if there's a lot of money outstanding or money that's been outstanding for two to three years, they issue you with a one 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 eight section one one eight discount. But it gives half the money it gives you half the money back, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to pay the full amount to get the clearance figures. I think new owners should just make sure that that full amount has been paid up. So the new owner doesn't sit with a hundred thousand rand bill when they move into the new property. And this happens. Especially in Johannesburg. Cool. That's our property show for the week, for the day. It's been good. Interesting. We learned a lot. Lance, you enjoy it? Definitely I did. I <laughs> learned fun. much. You've been listening to the voice of Guillaume Earl. Um, your website you've given. Many thanks for joining us today. It was a good recommendation from Legal Talk, SA. And thanks to the people that write in with all these questions. Cliff Central listeners, yours are next. Many thanks for listening to everyone and until next Tuesday. Just, thank you very much for having me. Now. Good. Au revoir, au revoir, au revoir. Thank ah, you very much. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.